Right, this morning we continue with our study on the book of Exodus. The Exodus, the exit from their enslavement, from their bondage in Egypt. True freedom comes through Jesus Christ. And we've studied chapter 1 last week. We studied chapter 7. Our heart preparation this morning reminded us that in Exodus chapter 6, the challenge was what? Are you God-dependent or are you man-dependent? Last Sunday on chapter 7, I entitled that message, I said it, I will do it. Because time and time again, God has been telling Moses, this is my plan. This is how I'm going to execute my plan. All you have to do is to follow. And every time that Moses would encounter God, he would have this excuse. But what am I? I'm slow of speech. They won't listen to me, etc., etc. So I entitled the message last week, I said it, I will do it. Meaning to say, God said it, God will do it. It will come to pass. Why? Because God said it. And we studied last week, Exodus chapter 8. We will see the beginning of the plagues that God used so that the Israelites could be set free from Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, For I go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. So all of those plagues that we're going to see from last week, this week, and the coming weeks are addressed towards specific gods of the Egyptians. So I, I gave you this snapshot. I know it's small. Probably I'll print it out and next week we can distribute for your own personal use. That these 10 plagues were addressed or directed to specific gods of the Egyptians. Last week in Exodus 7, Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded. What did we learn? If you see in the Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it means Yahweh, the personal covenant-keeping name of our God. And what did he say? He told Moses and Aaron, lift Aaron in specific, uh, specifically, lift the, hand, the staff, he struck the water of the Nile, and in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, all the water was there in the Nile, was turned to blood. Why the river Nile? Because they had a goddess for the river Nile. Water is the lifeblood. It was the means of commerce to deliver goods so that you could have trade. And the river is where you also get your livelihood, where you fish. But once this water turned into blood, have you ever had a lot of blood? Maybe you're in the scene of an accident. Have you ever smelled a lot of blood? I'm sure Clevin is here. He works for the ER in one of the hospitals. There is a smell. Those of you in the medical field, like when there's a lot of blood, there's a smell. It's, it's not a pleasant smell. So all the waters in the river Nile turned into blood. But not only that. All the waters in all the containers, in the cisterns, in the pots, or wherever it is, all of that water turned into blood. And what was the result? The fish that were in the Nile died. The Nile became foul. The Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile, and the blood was through all the land of Egypt. So what did the Egyptians do? All the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink water of the Nile. And seven days had passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. And I challenge you, if you're in the desert, what is more important, food or water? Answer, water. But if you have no water to drink, you'll die. You will die quickly. 
more quickly than if you had food, water, the lifeblood. And God struck the water of the Nile and turned it to blood. But, but the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God used Aaron. Do this. He turned water into blood. So the Egyptians also were able to turn water into blood, right? But how did they do it? With their magic, with their secret hearts. And what happened to Pharaoh? Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Remember when God told Moses, I will release my people, but Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. Why? So that I can show that I am the Lord. Could God have just released them all at the same time? Yes. But God said, my plan is to show, to demonstrate that I am the Lord. I'm going to strike down all the gods of the Egyptians. Pharaoh will release my people, but only under compulsion. So because Pharaoh's magicians could duplicate. Remember earlier when Aaron, when Moses threw down the staff, what happened? It became a snake. The magicians also threw down their staff. It, they also became snakes. But then the staff of Moses and Aaron ate the snakes of the magicians of Pharaoh. You think that Pharaoh by this time would be convinced at the power of God. But what can you read in verse 23? Pharaoh turned, went into his house with no concern even for this. He didn't care. My magicians can do it also. He didn't care that his people were suffering. He didn't care that the people had no water to drink. He didn't care that the fish were dying. He didn't care that no commerce would come in and out of Egypt. Why? I don't care. I'm Pharaoh. It's good to be the king. I don't care. Is this the kind of ruler that you would want to have in your family? A father that doesn't care? A mother that doesn't care for the well-being of their family, for their children? I don't, I, don't, I don't think any of us in this room have that mindset. But here you have a ruler who simply doesn't care. You see his heart hard, and it will continue to be hardened until finally we all know in the end he will eventually let Israel go. So this morning, because we will see time and time again that Pharaoh's heart continues to be hardened, the title for this morning is, I said it, I will do it again. Very simple. Why? My friends, until you and I learn the lesson that God wants us to learn, guess what? He will continue to allow you to go through what you're going through until you get it. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves me. He is a persistent God. His love is a pursuing love. He will not let you go until you get the lesson. Are you with me? Let's commit the time to the Lord this morning. God Almighty, we want to thank you for your word as we Listen from the Bible, from the book of Exodus in chapter 8. Will you speak to all of us, Lord God? And will you speak to us to the point of understanding, but more so, Lord God, to the point of obedience, so that our lives would be changed to the glory of your name. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory. Yes. Kakaumpisa pa lang. 
<laughs> That's mine. Let my, let my people go. I will smite your whole territory with what? Frogs. Some of, have you ever dissected a frog in school? How big was your frog? I very small. I was very wise. I said for my dissection in biology class to be very easy, I will get the biggest frog I can find. I was in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental. In my cousin's house at the back, there is a creek. <laughs> get me the biggest frog you can find. You know the half-gallon magnolia ice cream container? The frog could not fit in the bottom. He had to be like this. Imagine. Imagine. The whole land filled with frogs. He said, I will smite the whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up, go into your house, go into your bedroom, and on your bed. Oh, some of you have pets. You have a pet frog? Some of the... Some people have pet frogs, right? The small ones. But how many varieties of frogs are there? Frogs and toads and all kinds of stuff. And all of these will fill the territory. Your house, your bed. And into the houses of your servants and on your people. And into your ovens. Ooh, frog legs. And into your kneading bowls. Your kitchen aid. When you're going to bake, when you open, there's a frog. Now, what is the symbolism of the frog? Okay, I'll show you later. So the frogs will come upon you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand and your staff over the rivers, over the streams and over the pools, and make the frogs come up on the land. Who is going to bring out the frogs? Aaron. God tells Aaron, this is what you're going to do. Take your staff, and then what? The frogs will come out. Now, what is the significance of the frog? Why is God, you know, addressing his judgment on the frogs? Right? Well, if the plague of the blood was against Kunum, Hapi, or Osiris, the frogs were... Also against Hapi or Heket, the Egyptian god of fertility. Those of us, those of you who are old like me, you're starting a family, right? You want to start a family, you got married, you want to start a family. What did you used to say? You practice. You remember that? You remember that? That is how we determine whether somebody, whether the woman was pregnant. Nagpa-practice ka na ba? That's how it is. Before. Now all you have to do is go to CBS, Rite Aid, or Walgreen. I want to be politically correct. And then you just get the pregnancy thing. Correct? In the olden days, magpa-practice ka. Go have a frog test. Because that's how we equated it before. See? The frogs, the plague of the frogs was against the Egyptian god of fertility. And it is ironic that he, God, told Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron that the frogs would even go up to your bed. Why? Because fertility. You know, some things happen in the bed when you're husband and wife. That's why you start a family. So he was striking, he was exercising judgment on the Egyptian god of fertility. What did he say? Let my people go. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. Imagine all of this. Frogs. Rabbit. 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 
all. And then at the same time, you know, in the Philippines when it rains, right? Here in the U.S., ribbit. In the Philippines, kokak. But imagine multiplied by hundreds and maybe even millions of times. You want to try it? No, let's not try it. Okay, imagine everywhere you go, everywhere you look, frogs. Verse 7. The magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Oh, problem solved? No. Problem even doubled. I mean, many times, we have a problem, right? And then what do you do? You try to intervene. You try to manipulate. You try to fix the problem. What happens to the problem? Worse. Worse than when you started. Why? You do not like God's timetable. You do not like how God will fix or change the problem. So what do you do? You involve yourself. You try to fix it. And instead, the problem is doubled, tripled. The Egyptians, yes. They were, they, the, the magicians, they were able to do it. But what happened? There were more frogs. They didn't solve the problem. They made it worse. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Oh, entreat the Lord. What is Pharaoh asking now? He is asking Moses and Aaron to pray to God. Wait, I thought you are God. Pharaoh is a God, right? In, in, in their culture. Pharaoh is their God. And this God, small g, is asking Moses and Aaron, pray to the Lord. Pray to your God. For what? That he remove the frogs from me and from my people. So what is his prayer? Moses, Aaron, pray to your God to remove the problem. My deal with you is this. If you pray to your God and your God removes the problem, what will he say? And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Deal or no deal? No deal. Do you sometimes bargain with God that way? God, you know if you do this, this is what I will do. Do you even pray like that? God, I want to donate a building to CCFLA. Oh, yes. I, God, I only need six numbers. And then God, when I win the lotto, I will tithe 15%. I will build CCFLA, many churches, etc. You're dealing, bargaining with God Almighty. Pharaoh is beginning to recognize the power of the God of Moses and Aaron. Pray to your God, and if he will remove the frogs, I will let you go that you may sacrifice. We're getting there. Moses said to Pharaoh, The honors is yours to tell me when I shall entreat for you and for your servants and the people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your household, that they may be left only in the Nile. So is Moses and Aaron acceding to the request of Pharaoh to pray to God to remove the frogs? Yes. Yes. Then the Lord said, Tomorrow. So he said, May it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. What did Moses say? I'm going to do it for you. I will pray to God. And when he answers your prayer, you will know that he is the Lord 
that there is nobody like our God. When people see your past and see your present, how God has changed you, people have the opportunity to say, there is no one like your God. Especially your high school, your college classmates who know your past, your sordid and dark past, and they get to know you now as God continues to change you, to mold you, to be more and more like Christ, surely they will know that your God is the true God. So what happened? The frogs will depart from you and your households and your servants and your people. They will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. The Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the field. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. First it was the blood and the dead fish that made the odor. Now, the dead frogs. Imagine all of those hundreds of, we don't know how many, right? All dead. And when something dies, what happens? It begins to decompose. When it begins to decompose, right? So, Pharaoh asked Moses, Pray to God. When he removes it, I will let the people go. Did Moses pray? Yes. Did God remove the frogs? Yes. Problem solved? Yes? No. Why? But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, what is the problem? Let my people go. What's the deal? Remove the frogs. I will let you go. The frogs are gone. The problem is solved. Pharaoh's problem. But the problem of Egyptians are still there. Why? When Pharaoh saw that the frogs were removed, what happened? He hardened his heart. He did not let the people go. And he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Are you the same? Are we the same? Oh, God, please. Relieve me. Fix this. And then when God fixes it, you forget all your promises to God. Why? Problem gone. Circumstances resolved. We forget God. Or sometimes even, like Pharaoh, you harden your heart. You renege. The deal was, remove the frog, I will let the people go. Frog removed, I will not let the people go. He reneged. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the earth, that it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. Blood? After the blood, what? Frogs. God of fertility. Now what's next? Gnats. Another name for gnats is lice. In Tagalog, what is lice? You like kuto? Even if you see only one, right? Hey! ko ba? Right? Yes or no? Strike the dust of the earth. How much dust? Have you been to the Middle East? Have you seen the desert? What happened? What will happen to that desert? They will become lice. They will become gnats. Now, why the gnats? Blood, frogs, gnats. The Egyptian god of the earth. Their livelihood also comes from the earth. When the Nile will overflow, it will water the land, and then they can harvest from their field. God is striking the earth. God is striking the God of the earth. 
and the dust, the earth will become lice. Mm. You like all of that lice? Before it was all frogs. Now it's all lice. Climbing up, going to your hair, all over. Even to the animals. They did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there was gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. Can you do it? Can you survive with all of these gnats? They begin to crawl. They begin to bite you. Yee. But remember, Pharaoh also has his magicians. The one who were able to change their rods to snakes. The one who was also able to change the water to blood. The one who was also able to multiply the frogs. The magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats. But they could not. Uh-oh. Houston, we have a problem. Their God can do it. We cannot replicate what their God has done. Before we could do it. Through our powers, our magic, and our secret arts, we could do it. We could replicate, we could duplicate whatever their God can do. But here, the magicians tried, but they could not. So there were knots on men and beasts. They couldn't. They couldn't. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, these are the magicians. These are the pagans. What did they say? This is the finger of whom? Of God. This God of Moses and Aaron, this God is powerful. This is the finger of God. And it continues. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he did not listen to them just as the Lord had said. These are already his magicians proclaiming this is the finger of God. We cannot match their God's power, the God of Moses and Aaron. We cannot match it. What was Pharaoh's reaction? All the more he hardened his heart. He did not listen to his even his own magicians. Now the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. And say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses and to the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. Blood, frogs, lice. What's next? Flies. Actually, flies is just a transliteration because there is no specific word now, flies, the God that God was, uh, God, small g, that God, big G, capital G, was trying to execute judgment on was Wachit, or whatever it is. The Egyptian God of insects. Now, these are just, not just flies. But I was talking to Bien earlier. How many of you like flies? Just one in your house. What do you do? You chase it. You get in the Philippines. You just roll up newspaper. Or you have flies water. Here you have electronic. Right? Now imagine all of these swarms into every nook and cranny in your house. And when you go out, they're still there. When you're inside, they're still there. And mind you, there are flies that are deadly. The chichi fly. You know the chichi fly? There are flies that suck blood from animals. That's why you see in the Philippines, you know, the carabao, when he goes out 
of his mud or a cow in the field eating, what do you have? You have flies in their ears, you have flies in their back, and it looks like they're stuck. Some flies suck blood. Now we're just talking about flies. These are all kinds of insects, and they swarm. They swarm. And everywhere you go, there are flies. Why, you have flies over there? <laughs> I hope not lies, just flies. Okay? So God was executing judgment on the Egyptian god of insects. But on the day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarm of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. Are you beginning to notice some differences? The magicians could not match the power of God to duplicate, to replicate the gnats. Correct? Now, not the entire land will be filled with swarms of flies. Remember Goshen? Do you remember Goshen or no? Be honest. God is watching us. Goshen was the land that the Pharaoh, whom Joseph the dreamer served, set apart when the Israelites came to be provided for, for the famine. And the Pharaoh under whom Joseph served, okay, your family will live in Goshen. So that's where the Israelites lived. Now, God sent the swarm of flies. Notice, he used Aaron and Moses to bring the plague of the blood. He used Aaron and Moses to bring the plague of the frogs. He used Aaron and Moses to bring forth the plague of the gnats. Yes? But when it came to the swarm of flies, he didn't use any human being anymore. He was the one. Here you see a transition. Through his messengers, nothing happened. Now God is taking control. He is the one. On that day, he said, I will set apart the land of Goshen. In all other parts of Egypt, there will be swarms upon swarms upon swarms of flies. But in the land of Goshen, there will be no swarm. Why? That is where my people are. And that made the rest of the land will see that I am with them. That the presence of the Lord is in the midst of that land. We have a D group member in Manila. He has a newspaper. Many newspapers, their printing presses are located in Port Area. You know Port Area? Uh, from Luneta Park going to Tondo. All right? Behind that is Manila Bay. When there is a storm, and you know the storms in the Philippines, they're not drizzles. Here, they're just drizzles. When it rains, it really pours. And then guess what happened? Because we are so ecologically friendly, we have floods up to the neck. Right? So when that big storm happened, he, this is his testimony, he brought his son. He said, son, let's go to our printing press. Let us see how much damage there is. So he's driving in the midst of the flood, and he sees, I think it was the Manila Bulletin. Their office was flooded. The next newspaper, the office was flooded. But then, as he went forward, all of a sudden, there was no flood waters right in front of his office, right in front of his printing press. Now explain that to me. And that was a discipleship moment for him and his son. God, son, look at how God protected us. 
hopefully when he comes one of these days to the U.S., I will ask him to share. But suffice for us to know that he made a lot of money selling tabloids. You know tabloids? And then how can you sell the tabloid? You have pictures of uh, scantily dressed women, right? In the front page. And then inside you have a pornographic comi comic strip. That was his selling point. But when he found the Lord, when he met the Lord in a personal way, when he was born again, he decided, I am not going to sell this kind of news anymore. So he removed all of those pictures. And guess what? Instead of that pornographic comic strip that would sell millions, he changed it. You know what he put? Life testimonies from members of CCF in Manila. Why did God protect his business? We were in his house. We were having D group. And so, can we pray? Why? There's a fire right beside my office. So we pray. We continued with our Bible study, with our D group. And then towards the end, praise God, the fire did not jump to my building, to my business. Why? God is protecting his business. The swarm did not go to the land of Goshen. Why? So that people will know, the Egyptians will know that the God of the Israelites is the true God. So that they will know, I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign will occur. Being set apart, we know that as the word holy. But you are distinguished. You are set apart. These people were set apart. God is allowing this. And God is setting the division so that the people will know that their God is the real God. So what happened? Then the Lord did so, and there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the houses of his servants, and the land was weighed laced. Oh, malina naman. Laid waste. Ano sabi ko? Weighed laced. Man, hirap mag-English talaga. And the land was laid waste because of the swarms of the flies in all the land of Egypt. What did God do? He protected His people so that the rest of the people will know that the God of these people is the real God. That's why God says in Isaiah, and I'm so blessed at the songs that we have sung this morning. They did not know what I'm going to preach about. But it says, but now says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom. Kush and Seba in your place. If God is with you and God's presence is in you, my friend, God will protect you. And God will use your life as a testimony to the people around you that your God is the real God. And you can go to the flood waters and you will not drown. You can go to the fires. You will not be scorched. You will not even smell of fire because God is with you. And you are his and he is yours. He can use your life to bring a testimony to the people around you. Because you are a distinguished people. You are set apart. The Egyptians can know that the God of the Israelites are the true God. Because here, all of us, we have flies, we have swarms. Why there is none over there? And why? Because they're good? Because they're obedient? No. 
God said, so that they may know that I am in their midst. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. Let my people go that they may serve me, that they may worship me in the desert. Yes? Moses, call to your God. Tell, go sacrifice to your God within the land. Is that the deal? Let them go to the wilderness. Right? Let them go to the wilderness and let them worship there. Not in the land. So what is Pharaoh doing? Compromise. Let's make another deal. You can go sacrifice to your God. You can worship to your God, but only do not leave. Only stay in the land. Do you compromise with God? Do you make deals with God? Yes or no? Yes. We all do. One way or another. Now Pharaoh is compromising. Okay. 50-50. You can worship, but you cannot lead. Moses said, it, Is it not right to do so? Oh, he said, It is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God. What is an abomination to the Egyptians? If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? So let us worship our God our way. Because if we do that here, your people will get mad at us. Your people will fight with us. Your people will stone us. That's why we need to get away. So that we can worship our God our way. What is idolatry? Idolatry is the worship of the wrong God. Yes? Idolatry, my friends, is also the worship of the true God in the wrong way. It's not just, I have an idol here, I have something built by man here that I kneel to, I pray to. That's an idol too. But if you worship the true God in the wrong way, that too, my friends, is idolatry. You can say, oh, Moses is already, uh, uh, Pharaoh is allowing us to worship. Pwede na. Okay na yan. No. We have to worship the true God in the correct way. And that correct way is going to be an abomination to the Egyptians. And they're going to get mad. And they're going to stone us. So we must go. Why? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Pray for me. See? Make supplication for me. So he's already wanting to let them go, trying to compromise. You can worship, but you cannot leave. What did Moses say? No, no. Cannot be. It has to be our God, the right way. Why? Why do you have to go out and worship over there? My friends, do you realize that you and I were made to worship? This is not a... Worship really means worth, W-R-T-H, ship. To give worth to someone. When we come to worship, it is not for us. It is to give to God, to give worth, to give value to God. But in his economy, he blesses us in return. So he says, what? We have to worship God. Why? Psalm 139. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it well. To give thanks is an act of worship. God wants us to be a worshipful people. God wants us to be a thankful people. When we are strong, when we are wealthy, 
Many times we forget God. We forget to give thanks. That's not worship. Oh, but pastor, I'm, I'm always there on Sunday. I'm very early. Yes, good. Praise God. But what is worship? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Worship does not happen only on Sundays. When you go to work and your attitude is you're doing it for God, that is an act of worship. When you're cooking for your family, when you're cleaning the car, when you come here early to fix things, whatever you do, if you do it for the Lord, that, my friends, is an act of worship. And God is telling us that our lives must be an act of worship, the entirety of our lives. Not just on Sundays, not just when we have discipleship group meetings, Every living breath that we have should be offered to God as our acts of worship. The compromise. You can go, but stay here. Moses said, no, we have to go. No, stay here. Pray to God. Then Moses said, behold, I am going out from you and I shall make supplications to the Lord that the swarms of the flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only, Moses is beginning to get wise to the style of Pharaoh. Only, do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Is Moses going to pray? Yes. But Moses is beginning to be wise to the strategy of Pharaoh. Do this, do this, pray for me, I let the people go. Do this, do this, pray for me. Yes, you can worship, but don't go far away. Wheeling and dealing. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked. And removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servant, and from his people, not one remained. Moses prayed, and God acceded to the prayer and removed all the flies. Where did they go? I don't know. Don't ask me. Not one remained. All the land of Egypt was full of flies, except the land of Goshen, the land where the Israelites stayed. What is so special about that? The presence of the Lord. Moses, pray to your God. To remove, and I will let you worship. Only just stay here. Basta, pray for me. So God, remove the flies. Okay na. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. And he said, and he did not let the people go. How many times do we bargain with God? God, if you only do this, I will do this. God, I have been doing my part. Why are you not moving? I have been respectful to my husband. I have been loving to my wife. I have been caring for my family. I have been honoring and obedient to my parents. Why? Why is nothing happening? Maybe you're asking the wrong question. Maybe the question should be, God, what are you teaching me? You see, many times when we encounter problems, our knee-jerk reaction, our first step, God, will you remove this? But what did God promise? No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so you will be able to endure it. Many times, God will not remove the problem. Why? Because he has promised you that with the problem, while you're in the midst of that situation, he is there with you and he will provide a way out. Now, it's up to you and I to follow God's way. 
Time and time again, Pharaoh entreats Moses to pray to God, remove the problem, remove the problem, remove the problem. And time and time again, Pharaoh reneges. I will let you go. I'll not let you go. I'll let you go. I'll not let you go. I'll let you go, but only up to here. You and I, we bargain with God too, right? Why is God not relieving you from that situation? May I submit? May I suggest to you? We have not learned our lesson yet. That's why the problem persists. Once you've you've learned the lesson, guess what? He will move you to the next lesson. But God, I've been doing this. God, I've been doing that. Why is nothing happening? We must wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. We must wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. And learn our lessons well. In his timing, he will tell us what to do, where to go, what to say. But we want to mess God's timing. And in the process, we get frustrated with God. And then we begin to bargain. We begin to compromise. How is God going to show up? And how God is going to show himself to be God when you and I continue to manipulate people, continue to manipulate situations? God has to be God. You see, in Paul's testimony, he said, you know the story of Paul? He was riding, he was going on to Damascus. He was going to look for Christians to persecute. But he had a personal encounter with God. And then, in Acts 22, verse 8, and I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus and there be told all that has been appointed for you to do. You see, my friends, the first thing we need to do is recognize who the Lord is. I'm not the Lord. There is only one God. So first, I must come to grips with the realization of who is Lord. Am I the Lord or is God the Lord? Second, if you know who your Lord is, then the next question you should ask, if God is really the Lord of your life, The next question to ask is, what shall I do, Lord? If God is really the Lord of your life, should you and I question what God expects us to do? Yes or no? No. Why? Because if you have the power to question God, then he is not your Lord. Am I making sense? We're all intellectual beings here, right? If God is the Lord and he tells me to do something and I choose not to obey him, is he really the Lord? No. At least in that respect, he is not the Lord. When Paul encountered Jesus Christ, he said, number one, who are you? Lord, immediately he recognized that this voice was the voice of the Lord. And his second question was, what shall I do? That's why you and I, we are called just not just to populate heaven. We are called to live the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. He is Lord. We don't bargain with him. We don't negotiate with him. We don't compromise with him. If he is the Lord, all you and I need to do is what? Obey him. So that you will have a joyful and a blessed life. Why? Trust and obey. 
For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But what do we do? When we do not get our way, we grumble, we complain, and in the process, what happens? Our hearts begin to be hardened. We rebel. We make excuses. We sin against God. And sin after sin after sin after sin, our hearts become calloused. That's why in Hebrews we are warned. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, what? Do not harden your hearts. If God is telling you to do something, if God wants to change something in your life, do not harden your hearts. Why? As when they provoke me as in the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years, Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart as they did not know my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Are you looking for rest? Are you looking for peace? May I suggest? You can only find peace, rest, joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot find it in anyone or anything else. You can earn money, you can lose money. You're healthy today, you have cancer tomorrow. You know that? I don't know. Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can only find true rest in Jesus Christ. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah. How is your heart this morning? You know, God said it. He will do it again and again and again and again. The sooner you and I learn the lesson, the sooner you and I can move on and move on to the next lesson. Let's not deal, let's not bargain with God. Let's not compromise. Let's not make promises that we cannot keep. You've seen it time and time again in Pharaoh. If you do this, this is what I will do. And then what? He reneges. He pulls back from his promise. And God is faithful. If you are really his child, he will not let you go until you and I learn our lesson. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for your love. And knowing that you love us just reminds us, Lord, that you are patient with us. Even when we many times give you a deaf ear when our hearts are not responding to you, when you want a broken and contrite heart, but our hearts are becoming hard and calloused. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that everyone here who has a personal relationship with you will soften our hearts to listen to that still small voice in the areas that we need to have the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And for those who may be here this morning who do not know you as Savior, God, I pray that you will speak to them, Lord God, and introduce yourself to them in a personal way so that just like Paul, they will say, Who are you, Lord? What would you have me do? 
And if you're here this morning and you want the Lord Jesus to save you, just tell him. For anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with you, when God saves you, ask him, okay, God, now what do you want me to do? God, you've given us your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit to know your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us, Lord, to obey your word. So I pray, Lord, that none of your people here this morning leave this place unchanged by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we will be careful to give you back the glory, the honor, and the praise as we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Now, uh, if you're new to CCF, uh, know that we do not pass the offering plate. We do have an offering box at the back. And give only as the Lord impresses upon your heart to give. And know also that we break out into our small discussion groups. In your discussion groups, don't force anyone to talk. If they don't want to share, leave them to share. But also, whatever they share, keep it within that group. Are you still bargaining with God before you obey Him completely? Second question, this how compromise will affect you and the people around you, okay?